Hey, everybody. Welcome to RPG Pop Club. Producer Eric here. Before we begin our episode, we wanted to, wanted to take a moment to respond to some uh, listener emails. Uh, so, Phil, what do you have for us? I have a message from my buddy Mike. It goes a little something like this. Here, let's give him a character voice. Uh, I listened to your first two Klingon adventure podcasts and loved them. Thanks, Mike. Th that was the the uh, the natural order and intrusion, right? Just wait till you hear uh, Termination fourteen fifty six. That's a really smashing one. Not to pat ourselves on the back, but the module's great. Uh, agreed. And and he says he goes on. I also loved your well thought out, honest, and thorough review of John M. Ford's superlative The Final Reflection. That's the novel that we reviewed in uh, in our review, along with our review of The Natural Order, episode 11. Yes. So, yeah. Great novel. Anyway, he says, I originally read it back in the 80s and reread it every few years and always find something new. In fact, it wasn't until your review that I understood that the reflective game of Klinjaw is an analogy for war. Yeah, I agree. There's always so much... That you can find in every reread of it um, yeah it's, it's kind of like um for book for instance like uh lord of the rings right that's one of those that that a lot of people will reread over and over and it's always great to go and and look at other critiques and see how other people are interpreting a piece of art that i myself enjoy and get additional insights into into that piece of work um yeah so, yeah it's really awesome that we we were able to bring that uh to somebody else you know, provide that extra level of uh, understanding. And, and I'm not saying that we are great literary cr critics of any sort, but... No, there uh, should be like actual papers and, uh, you know, studies done on this novel, just like you said, with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, study in the English class. Layers. He, he has a couple of really interesting observations. So let, let's, let's go on with this. He says, the D7 plans, that's the, the Klingon ship, do include baths but only for the officers. The crew only deserve showers. Thanks, Mike. We were wondering about that one. Um, yeah. There are showers in the, um, in the plans for the ship? Yeah. Oh, there, okay. There showers for the crew and, and baths for the officers. Okay, gotcha. All right, he, I'm gonna I'm drop the character voice because this is really interesting stuff. He says, Klingons originate from a warm, moist, cloudy, tropical world, hence why they so love baths. Oh, but they also enjoy incense, which explains the smoky interior of their ships. Oh, they're just like burning, you know, lots of burning incense. patchouli and, and lavender and stuff. Okay, cool. To recreate the atmosphere of their home planet. Yeah. Interesting. Next, he says, fruit sugars seem to metabolize in Klingon energetic digestive systems into an alcoholic spirits type biochemical hence why the love for fruit pastries and juice aha uh -huh. so so they drink the juice which to a human stomach is just just, just juice right you yeah. get the sugars sugar, and stuff. right yeah. yeah but in the klingon digestive system mm -hmm. they ferment it internally and presumably get inebriated from from their own self-produced uh, so we're like, oh, how quaint. They're drinking juice, but to them, they're like, yeah, hardcore <laughs> juice, bro. 
Yeah, that'll that'll hit you later too, right? You got to give it time to ferment. Uh, I have so much to say about this, but but let's let, let's wrap it up here. Okay. He says, yes. "I love the concept of a Green Orion consort slash assassin PC. Seems to tie in with the depiction of Rogaine in the final reflection." Yep, and. Away from Klingons for a moment, it's great to hear a good outline of Fassa's depiction of the Romulans and their fat, fanatical desire to meet the preservers slash great brothers and take over their mantle. We must have discussed that in our episode about the, the Romulans. Mm -hmm. All this referencing back to the final reflection inspired by your podcast is certainly making me want to run a Fassa Klingon campaign again. That is... I think is even more the, the the biggest thing to be said, right? Because we're trying to run a a podcast that critiques old school uh, modules, right? The original modules, in the hopes that people will play them, right? That's the whole idea. Right. Is that we want we're having a great time with them, and we want other people to have a great time with them, also. They are unjustly obscure. These yeah. modules. And, uh, and we wanted to see what, what was there. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to hear other people are getting back into it. And I hope people get into it for the first time as well. But here's what's so cool about this to me, Eric. Yeah. You know, we've talked before about how playing an RPG of something, like we talked with Michael Scott about this, really immerses you into that imaginary universe in a way, in a new way. You're thinking about your energy systems on your ship. You're thinking about, is there a head here on the shuttlecraft? And, and so we are not only immersed into it in a deeper way ourselves, but then we find that these things that we've thought about, which we sort of think as our, like, our own personal like inside jokes and stuff almost, are something that everyone else who has done this has also thought of. Remember how Michael Scott, we were able to ask him about the heads on the shuttles and he had about five or six answers about it. Yeah, Michael Scott being the, the author of the very first Star Trek mm -hmm. role, like, tabletop role-playing game back in the late 70s. You know, we had an interview with him. If you haven't caught that, go back. We have an interview with him um, several episodes back, like the end of season one. Right. Um, it's fantastic. But I mean, continue. No, I was just, it's the same thing like here. You know how much we talk about baths and juice, and we were just like, it's something we caught onto in the novel and uh, ran with, and we just thought it was hilarious. And and here's another fan who's also thought of these things and and rationalized them out. Maybe he found some of these answers in the uh, the Klingon supplement, which I famously refused to read, <laughs> and maybe would have uh, gotten a little more insight if I'd if I'd read it thoroughly. But but what the heck. I just think it's so cool to to then have this connection with other RPG fans well, of, I, of Star Trek. Well, and I think that's one of the benefits of playing in a an IP, a universe that is beloved by many other people, right? By engaging with Star Trek content, we are engaging with the broader community. There's yeah. that, and that's awesome. And and you start finding those the shared love and the shared connections with people that um, you wouldn't normally normally meet. You know, I I love that. That that's fantastic. You know, we're 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 part of this larger connective tissue of 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 culture and and other people. That's which is great. Yeah, and and it's so it's doubly so with modules, right? Because when you run a module 
and someone else has run it in a different way. It's so like neat, like, oh, you've also walked the same mile and, and it came out a different way. Um, I, I really love that. There is, there is something cool about every table being completely different. You know, if you like kind of went back to the dawn of the hobby and everyone was had to make their own completely different world from scratch. Um, but this is also so cool when you can swap stories about the keep on the borderlands, the temple of element evil and these modules. I've got another one. Are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. This is from, uh, from another mic in another group. Remember how we said with Termination 1456, we would love to hear how another group played it out. Yes. And if they would, would have played it out completely differently. Oh, I have a feeling we're about to hear how another yeah. group played it out differently. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, I'm, I'm ready. Bring okay. This is Mike Freeman. He played, played, it, played it in two nights. He said, we played part one and um, he, he, he wrote it in, in the style of uh, a Ready Room recap hosted by Will Wheaton. He says, welcome to the Ready Room hosted by me, Will Wheaton. Each week, we will recap last week's adventure of Star Trek, Hammer of the Empire, Season 1, Episode 5. <laughs> hey, nerds, this week was the fifth episode of Star Trek, Hammer of the Empire. In this episode, we got to see our crew arrive home only to discover they have lost all their honor. The episode opens with a commander Akul in the late 23rd century and his days as an agent Pok Pok Soch with the Klingon Unseen. We learn that Akul was teamed up with another agent, Krador, who, according to Akul, used many dishonorable methods to achieve his mission objectives. How cool was it to see that flashback? Meanwhile, back in the 24th century, Captain Akul and the crew of the Mupul, I'm sorry, he's, he's writing in... Uh, in in Klingon, and I don't really know how to pronounce all this stuff. You're doing great. Thanks. We learn the crew and captain have been convicted as traitors to the Empire as Romulan col collaborators. So now he's talking about the PCs and you know in the present of his campaign. Gotcha. The crew has lost all their honor, and all crew members have had their land and titles seized by the High Council. Captain Akul swears a blood oath to his command crew. They will bring vengeance to the ones who have wronged them. The crew looks for evidence against the High Council's claims and finds that many of the traitors that were on board the Mupul sent, spent time or received training on Muldor 4. With access to the Imperial Network reestablished, they also discovered a Romulan compound in which most of the traitor systems on board their ship. When researching more about Muldor 4, the crew discovers that Krador, now a general, is the military governor of the planet. Right, Muldor 4 has several fleets surrounding it and a well-armed garrison. The crew decided to travel to Muldor 4 and seek vengeance against General Krador. They enacted a plan to speak to the rebels of Muldor 4. While searching for the rebels, they found a patrol who were loyal to Krador. Captain Akul gave a rousing speech to bring them over to his side. And for a moment, the patrol listened to Akul. But then the drug in the patrol's system took over and forced a fight. The crew of the Mupul won the fight and then contacted the native Moldorians, promising them they would get rid of Krador. It was decided they would take these warriors loyal to Krador as proof of his foul deeds and challenge him to trial by combat. As the crew of the Mupul was leaving, Krador's forces were alerted to their presence. So they go about it in a completely different way. This is interesting because he, he had been asking around on Facebook 
if there were existed any modules with which detail like a Klingon compound that can be rated by other Klingons. I'm like, yeah, I know of one, Termination <laughs> 1456. So he already had this idea in his head and he modularly used this module to fill in for his campaign. Oh, that's the interesting cool. thing to me is that their crew, they went to Muldor 4 and instead of, remember how our approach was not sneaky, right? We're going to approach the planet openly. We're going to try and interview Cradle right off the bat and, you know, insinuate ourselves as his new um, people in his service. Well, these guys, Mike's, Mike's group went about it the completely other way. They secretly landed on the other side of the planet and tried to contact the natives and win them over as the first thing they did. And then march at the head of this um, sort of insurrectionist army on Krator. That's... And then he says, we finished part two where our disguised crew searched the headquarters for the general and then killed him in an epic showdown gunfight. One of our players went in with a disruptive rifle on overload and threw it into the room where the general was. He activated a security force field at the last moment while the rest of his bodyguards took the brunt of the blast. Finally, in hand-to-hand -hand combat, did the general die. See, that's really cool. This is one of the reasons why I love... Um tabletop RPGs in general, right? There's a clear presentation of a problem or a goal, right? The goal is you have to apprehend, kill, or I guess it's a kill, right? This this rogue general. And right. here's the situation. And now it's really up to the players to figure out, you know, the DM or the, the, the game master can say, here's your mission. Go kill this guy. Mm -hmm. How you want to do it? that's up to the table and every table is going to come up with a different way. And that's so, that's so cool. I'm really glad. It's really awesome to hear a, a totally different approach. I wonder what that says about the psychology of our group versus their group <laughs> where we just like go in. Of course we weren't going in guns blazing, but we were very direct. Mm -hmm. And and then his group were like, well, we're going to go on the other side of the planet. We're going to recruit some people and they're going to, you know, slow burn it as opposed to us. We were just like right up front, knock on the door. Hello, sir. <laughs> we're we're here to depose you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and the whole element with the natives of the planet was something that kind of, you know, in terms of the pacing of the module for us was a very minor element. Yeah. It was almost just like barely touched on in our recap. And it sounds like for them, that was the meat of the module was all this overland activity running into Krator's troops. And this was all in the module, like the vehicles that their, that their troops had and, and how many there were and where they were stationed and exactly what was going on at any given time. So it's, it was all there avail, available for play. And it sounds like they had kind of a short, well, I don't know, he says part two and then, and then sort of wrote a, a short recap of it. But, um, but yeah, it sounds like it was just kind of a, a great big, uh, almost a war, like war game kind of scenario of it storming the, the, the compound and, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and all that stuff, but you can do it that way. So, yeah. And, and, you know, it's one of the, I don't want to get too, you know, this is the mailbag. I don't want to get turn this into like a second podcast, but yeah. Um, it, it's also kind of demonstrates the fact that, you know, in a module they they'd be give you all these, toys right and i'm in a good module right um there's different things you can do and play with and i i'm i hope that if you're a, if you're running the game and your players don't hit all of the the cool things that are in the module that doesn't mean that 
you are lacking in fun or that you're not doing a good job or the players aren't doing a good job. All it means is that the players have come up with solutions to these problems uh, that don't involve all these other things. Right. I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's quite all right not to hit every single thing in a module. Um, They're there because the players could go left or they could go right. And all this other stuff that's in the module is there to just in case they go either direction. So, yeah. And as a GM, you don't need to, you need to not be stuck in your idea of how it's going to go. Right. And just sort of like enjoy the, the way it falls out and, and be pleasantly surprised with the way the story is unfolding based on the player's actions and based on the dice. There's so many times where I, I you know, I try not to like um, do something that where if I roll and I don't, I'm not going to like the results that I'm going to change it. If I'm open to there being different kinds of results, then I'll roll and then I will abide by the roll. You know what I mean? Because then mm-hmm. that lets, it's like it happened and I've, I'm just there to kind of uh, narrate kind of how it fell out. Yeah, exactly. Super yep. fun. Nothing like it. Just nothing like it. Well, that's it. A couple of awesome uh, mics with their awesome uh, uh, feedback. And just so great to hear from you guys. It just really uh, it makes us feel like we're not just all alone in the universe making our silly podcast. But it's, <laughs> it's so great to get some feedback from you guys. And uh, I mean, if Star, Trek, if Star Trek taught us anything, we are not alone in the universe. The universe is full <laughs> of other people or things or entities or humanoids and non-humanoids exactly um, so this is awesome i would man I, personally i would love to hear more stories of people who have played their own games in these in these modules right i really yeah. want to hear how their games turned out differently than ours keep it coming guys all Absolutely. right on with the episode here we go me 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 RPG Pop Club, RPG Pop Club, RPG Pop Club, RPG Pop Club, yeah! Hi, I'm Philip Sokoloff. And I'm Sarah Nicole Carter. And this is RPG Pop Club. Each week, we play a Star Trek tabletop RPG adventure, and then we review it. Today we are playing Margin of Profit. That's right, Sarah Nicole. We're joined today by two special guests. Yay. They are Andre and Karen. How are you guys? Hey, we're good. We're good. Thanks for having us. Yay. Yeah. Andre, you're back. <laughs> we had That's you in right. some of the early episodes and then um, you had a bit of a hiatus and now you're back with the lovely Karen. The galaxy, the galaxy is, is vast, man. I, you know, <laughs> he adventured... He One returned. day I'm here, the next day I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, let's let's launch right in to our discussion um, because we got a lot of ground to cover today. The episode we watched was Journey to Babel. Do you guys remember the episode? Did you guys watch the episode? Yes, we totally watched the episode. Love the Telluride nonsense. Very, very hilarious. It's It's a rare episode in the original series as far as like 
creating canon, like lore in the universe, most of the episodes of Star Trek are very standalone, of the original series. In that one, it's like, here's the Federation. Here are its member species. Here's another planet that's trying to join the Federation. And here's an enemy of the Federation, the Orions, which are uh, trying to sabotage this process. So uh, it, it has a lot going on. And, and the module that we played is, in a way, a sequel to it. A lot of elements from that um, episode come back. Also, we get Sarek. We can't, like, discount how, how important that is. Yeah. The Sorry, character who plays Spock's father emotionally. comes back in, in the movies and The Next Generation. <laughs> and very, it is very the important. coolest? Okay. Sorry. Go on, Phil. That's cool. Yeah. And you guys, um, Andre and Karen, you're not big Star Trek people. So what were your impressions? Um, yeah, not big Star Trek people, probably complete Star Trek newbies. Um, so good for a general Star Trek world introduction. Um, for the original Star Trek, I don't think I had ever seen a full episode before. Certainly aware of the pop culture lore, certainly aware of the, you know, William Shatner and, and the concepts and, and definitely aware of the pop culture lore, but I don't think I'd ever seen a full original episode before that one. Um, I, I remember this episode now. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the entire episode takes place on the ship, period. Correct. And I, I actually took note of that, and I thought it was amazing that you could actually have a plot for an entire episode, just you know, have, have an event happen on the ship itself. You know, there were new characters, obviously, uh, introduced, uh, but uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, and you guys are also big Firefly f fans. Yes, definitely. That comes in handy here in this in this module. This is Margin of Profit. It's written by um, J. Andrew Keith. And um, I got to take a pause and talk about J. Andrew Keith because in our last episode, I promised I would. You guys remember, you remember that, Sarah Nicole? Yep. John Andrew Keith wrote seven novels. He is most famous for his, his works for the RPG Traveler, which was kind of the, the it was the big spacefaring RPG before Star Trek and probably after Star Trek. Um, and, and so he wrote, well, the Andrew Keith Memorial Site lists that he wrote 44 Traveler books and 92 magazine articles just for Traveler alone. Um, three of his more famous modules include The Ordeal by Ashar from 1981. That was actually published by FASA. Uh, 1982, Double Adventure 5, The Kamax Plague slash Horde. And 1983, The Traveler Adventure. He worked on that one as well. And those were from GDW. He was born in 1958, so he would have been 25 at the time that he wrote these Star Trek modules. Demand of Honor, which we did last week, and Margin of Profit, which we're doing this week. He died in 1999 at the age of 40. Um, is that enough of a coverage for you, Sarah Nicole? Yes, very good, I'm proud of you. I'm gonna you research it. it this time. <laughs> so the, the, what FASA had done was come out with this uh, supplement called Trader Captains and Merchant Princes. And I think they were kind of trying to hone in on traveler territory there. I don't think they were publishing a lot of traveler stuff anymore at this point, because they had a competitor on their hands. And so this supplement covers a lot of the sort of stuff you'd expect in Traveler. It has 
some maps of the galaxy, some rules about how you trade and work the stock market and lists of equipment and their prices um, and some ships, which are not big capital ships like you normally see in Star Trek, but more like freighters like the Millennium Falcon or Serenity. And so this module is one of the first modules to support this set. And so it has more of a, well, not really Star Trek-y feel. Um, you know, on some levels, you're not in a capital ship, you're on a freighter. And so I think we kind of picked up on that Firefly feel a little bit in our role play. But it's definitely in the Star Trek universe. Um, and it's an interesting take. So I just wanted to set that up for you guys before we launch right into our recap. Because the premise was we're going to make new characters, but they're going to be in the same universe. And um, and I thought, well, I can lure back Andre with the premise of like <laughs> being the captain of this free trader or, you know, maybe it's, they're more like pirates than sort of just independence. And how could uh, you say no, Dre? He tricked you. I, I couldn't. No, he, he mentioned <laughs> smuggling goods and then things of that nature. And I was in. <laughs> Philip, I, too. I think it's interesting that you think that's, it's not, doesn't feel as Star Trek-y. I think it totally does. I don't know. Maybe if I'm looking at from a, all of the current series versus the original series lens, right? But it felt very Star Trek to me. I guess know. I'm just saying it's different. It's different from the Starfleet games that we've been doing. It's not sure. very original series-ish on many ways. Um, one of the things I wanted to let people do was to, um, in, in the Starfleet campaign, I wanted it to be mostly human uh, characters, because that kind of is part of the idea of, of the original series, that it's human diversity is super celebrated there. Um, you know, all different human uh, cultures and races represented. And it's man going out into this unknown universe. And that's kind of the, the main premise of Star Trek, the original series. But I thought in this, we could have a little fun with it, let people be any kind of race they wanted, uh, maybe dig up some obscure races and... Um, yeah, just kind of go crazy, go wild. Because Tree was going to be the captain. Time to go wild. Anything can happen now. <laughs> yeah. All right, is that sufficient setup? We can always we can always stop as we're going. So let's let's just launch right in. Let's, let's do. Uh, do let's do. Uh, there's no captain's log because psh, we don't do need log. logs here. We usually delete our tracks and, and any kind of record. <laughs> <laughs> he sets the, the tone perfectly. No um, we have basically a landing party-esque sort of segment, so let's do it. You guys are a really mixed crew. Let's see. Andre, you're human. Aaron, you're Orion. Sarah Nicole? Yeah. Did we get a straight answer about your race? Ready, Orion. You are ready, Orion. Well, of course, you have to be. What was Sarah Nicole's? What was your name, Sarah Nicole? Dax. Dax. Dax, that's right. Dax, what she said. Aaron's a green Orion. I'm Jorn the Demented Freak, after all. Are you the doctor? <laughs> I'm the evil mad scientist doctor. Eric, you're a Andorian? I am Dorian. Okay, so now you're Cody? Yes, I'm Cody. Fakivat. Cody? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, you're a Capellan. Capella used to be in the uh, Klingon sphere. And Karen? Yeah. 
I am Centaurian. We're at my home. Right. Matrilineal Society of Greek Human Origin from, you know, 300 BC got yeah. transplanted there, basically. Right. And April is human. Yes. Earth, earthling. April, what's your character? You didn't put your character's name in the chat. I did. My name is oh, Harper, Harper Sue. Sue. Right. And I don't think we covered um, your guys' names. So Petrenko, Igor Petrenko, we know from the Starfleet campaign. And he sort of has dropped out of the adventures. So you've become, well, you've gone rogue or just retired. Do you imagine yourself as retiring, uh, being discharged honorably or just uh, dishonorably standard? What happened? I mean, of course, we will never know what really happened. But uh, the, the point is, you know, Phil said that this episode didn't feel, or this, this session didn't feel very Star Trek-y, but the truth is there's a lot more to Star Trek universe than Starfleet. And Petrenko discovered that sooner than some of you other folks have. You know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and Karen, so happy. Karen, your character's name was, was it Zosima or Aponia or both? Yeah, so you had you had given us like the premise that maybe we had a history of some Starfleet experience, and so we had, I, I had gen used the um, character generator. But part of my story was that um, I rolled a really unlucky character, and so I kind of had this history that maybe she left Starfleet because she was just too bumbling and um, unlucky, and just really had some really bad experiences. So she had an alias. Um, so Aponia was her very Greek Alpha Centurion name, and then um, Zosima was sort of her um, her alias with this maybe under the radar crew. Yeah, love it. Everyone needs a, an alias, you know, everywhere. So I highly recommend. Karen, I got it. Just give you a shout out. I know we're doing the recap, but you always have an impeccable backstory and character dev, and I love it. I love that you can always sense that there's layers and layers and the work of the character behind it, and I just think that's so cool. <laughs> Thank you. I have a lot of fun um, creating the character because otherwise I'm not that great at improv, so I like having backstory to kind of give me some motivation. I think it's perfect. I think it's wonderful. So just shout out to you. Karen always, always comes through. I wrote in our in our just our like our house rules document or our player's handbook about Alpha Centaurians. I've always been kind of taken with this idea because in the technical manual from 1975, Franz Joseph wrote that the Alpha Centaurians were one of the five founding species of the Federation or the one one of the five founding planets. And the other four are the four that we see in Journey to Babel, but the Alpha Centaurians we never see. And so I, I sort of dug through different um fandom resources, RPG resources, or otherwise. And um, and it seems there was this idea, because in the technical manual, the Alpha Centaurians have, like, centaurs in their sigil, in their logo, in their banners, that, well, there's two ways to interpret that. Number one, that it's a, a human colony. But the other way, which is kind of neater, is that they're, they're ancient Greeks, which are transplanted there by an ancient, uh, you know, by the preservers, one of the ancient super races. And so you have this planet where they're humans genetically, but they have this 
culture from ancient Greece, which has maybe diverged in different ways. And one of the ways is that it became um, really matriarchal. Anyway, I put this all just kind of in a brief note in our player's handbook and, and Karen read it. And I'm just so amazed that someone would read the lore that I would make. And not only go, did that, but you must have researched other sites and stuff and, and came out with a lot of this lore. And so I do appreciate that as well. Yeah, Karen, you win. You win. Yeah, I, I, I knew that I didn't know anything about the Star Trek universe besides just, you know, general character pop culture. So I felt like diving into your guys' established world, I needed to have a, a little bit of something. So I wasn't floundering too much. So thank you. Fantastic. Love it. Well, and then we didn't mention Dave's character's name. His character is called Afaal, and he's a he's a capellan. Those are the guys from Friday's Child with the big uh, horse tassel helmets hats Important. all right well let's go on so the first order of business for this adventure was to name the ship petrenko's independent freighter i wrote for vera oh vera v-e-r-a mm -hmm. that's one of the ships that's not a bad one but isn't that the name of uh of jane's gun yes isn't it, it is. vera it's kind of perfect. I like it. It's also a Russian word for fate. Yeah. I didn't really roll for it. I just liked it the best, so I said I did. So. Ah, uh -huh. <laughs> checking that out. Is that the that's the spirit of this campaign, right? Faith. Uh, pretty faith much. Heart. No, no like... lying. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I'm embarrassed, but it was amazing. I'm glad that's the perfect name. That's very RPG-ish. You roll for something and then you're like, screw it. I'll do something completely different. <laughs> well, like, yes. it had meaning on so many different levels. That was totally perfect. It was perfect. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, we were right that lying was true to this campaign and these characters. Anyway, the second order of business was just to establish ways in which a free trader might be run differently from a Starfleet ship. I was going to open the game up by saying, you know, by having a speech to my crew, um, <laughs> you know, to remind everyone that this is not Starfleet. Yeah. There are no departments. Okay. Everyone just do whatever needs to be done on the ship. And if you have to use heavy objects to make things happen, make them happen. Every time you do a task on your vessel, it'll also require a luck check. <laughs> because stuff stuff doesn't doesn't work very well. Uh, it also you'll you'll get a bonus to your luck roll if you uh, if you can curse effectively at the ship, or coax the ship, or hit it just right. We'll just say for purposes of this adventure that your ship is small enough to land on a planet. Okay, just like in Firefly where it lands on planets and like flies over trains and stuff, cool stuff. Um, it, uh, like I said, it's kind of broken down. It will require half a million credits for you guys to, to fix it up. It only has a, a 50 power pile base where, it, where it's at and requires all kinds of luck checks and stuff. It's all janky. As our story begins, the Vera has been offered a job by Trimark Industries, a six-month contract to haul dilithium from Corridon to Vega. Yeah, we're going to offer you... Um, 1,500 shares of Trimark stock because our, our cash is kind of short. 
Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait yeah, I don't know if that's quite enough here. Well, and and we we can't patch up our ship with your stock, buddy. Well, we stock is hard currently patching. worth sixty-five credits per share. So we got right into the spirit of the game with some bartering, role playing it out a bit, and rolling some dice for our skills. Oh yeah, I rolled a six. Okay. Well, let's do you this way. We'll give you fifteen thousand credits advance, and we'll we'll make the ultimate stock payment fourteen hundred shares. Fifteen thousand credits, and then Woo! yeah. 14,000 shares, yeah. 14,000 shares. 1,400 shares. 1,400 shares. 1,400 shares, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think we need the cash. The the shares are worth 65 credits. What do you guys think? I mean, if we're going to be hauling things back and forth, should we, like, upgrade our cargo or, like, our speed or anything of that nature? Let's begin on some of the most critical systems, perhaps some of the engine systems, so that I may focus on my experiments and not be constantly bothered by your requests for more power or what's on fire, John, or put down that flesh and do something useful with the engine, John, or where did that antimatter come from, John, <laughs> constantly bothered. I would suggest that the ship like owns the 15,000, you know, and that salaries get issued from that how about this are you guys cool with this like starting cash and then maybe like a thousand each right now for like extra gear if you anyone wants to buy anything i i think it's important that we call out that that was an aaron monologue just first Classic. one of this yeah we got a start... character voice right from the beginning that that's uh what's on fire john amazing <laughs> I think we're um, going to need a sting for Aaron monologues. I'm, I'm surprised you guys don't have a segment yet on your podcast. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, we need a sting for it. We need, like, a little sound clip that's like, Aaron's monologue. You can call it communications disruption. Oh! <laughs> there it is. Write it down. Producer Eric, take note. We need a new sting. Yeah. Communications disruption. We can get... Uh... Michelle Nichols to come on the podcast and, oh and record gosh. some of those. What a dream. <laughs> How amazing would that be? Someday when we're famous, you know, never. I think I'd cry. I think I'd just like, I wouldn't even be able to function. So, I wouldn't be able um, to talk. I'd be like, you know, oh my gosh. Okay, done. Sorry. A, a good deal of our gameplay was Aaron monologues in this adventure. So you only get to get a few of them. Only a few of them. Well, yeah, they'll keep coming back. <laughs> oh, monologues. Oh my God. Okay. Anyway, it was cool that we started getting into, this is very different from our Starfleet thing, like the ship needs money to operate, to repair, it needs to pay its crew, Um, so, and it needs to figure out, the players need to figure out how they want to manage that, so I thought that was neat. Anyway, the Vera and its crew set off to Corridon to collect their cargo. Okay, two things. I'm just going to diverge for a second. I made a map a map of this area where Corridon is, where Vega is, where Alpha Centauri is, uh, Andor and um, uh, and Telar. I think all Earth, they're all on this on this map. And this is basically from Star Trek maps, but I blew it up. Um, is this map on our website? Well, I'm sure by the time this episode drops, it will be. Oh, very good. I put it with uh, the other margin to prof of profit stuff. It will anyway, be on our website, dear listeners. 
Yes. Um, so there's that. And then Corridon. So that was the, the planet from the episode. Okay, it's not really the most memorable part of the episode, but the whole Babel conference is about admitting Corridon to the Federation. And the Tellarites are against because they've been basically um, uh, mining ore and not doing basically fair labor practices or not really paying the people of Corridon fairly. And that's why the Vulcans, Sarek and them, want to admit them so that they get more protection. And and then the 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 Orions had some other interest in there as well. They were also pirating from it, so they didn't want they wanted to disrupt the, the conference as well. So that was, I think, the gist of the episode. And then in this module, they established that the outcome was they basically they didn't really admit it, but they made it kind of like a Federation protectorate, and there were supposed to be rules about how people were supposed to um, export the planet's dilithium. Dilithium being, of course, the most rare and precious thing in the galaxy. Okay, so that's your history lesson, folks. Besides love, Philip. Dilithium and love. Love is the rarest thing in the galaxy? Yeah, I guess it's not rare. Most important thing. Anyway. Babies suck it from their mother's teat. Oh my god. Fired. Everybody, <laughs> podcast is over. Philip's fired. Sorry, replace the host. <laughs> well, well. Anyway, they fly. They fly in space on their ship, and they're going to Corridon. So, also aboard the the Vera is Jurgens. He's a, a Trimark exec. He's the one who basically hired them. He kept to himself a lot. And the crew naturally decided to tease out his secrets. Does he want to make out? I dance in front of him in my bikini. That was fired. Oh, I don't. I don't know about secrets. Uh, I'm. I'm studying an instruction tape on the Tellarite language. All right, you guys pull into the uh, Corridon Starport. There's only a handful of ships uh, in the port at the time. The Tellarite trading vessel Gavikug, owned by Group Harg. You guys, uh, Jurgens tells you that that Group Arg is Trimark's major rival here on Corridon. And the Orion-owned Rulashak Bali. Murder the Tellarites while we are here and eliminate our competition. We can send this fool Capellan on that mission. I was thinking of, you know, like uh, something in their warp core. I like this. Much more uh, personal. Sabotage the competition. I like that. That's, that's in line with what uh, we could do. I actually happen to know of this particular corrosive that comes from an off-world toad of Alpha Centauri. Uh, I have a sample of it. It's really slow degrading. If we put it on some of the mechanical pieces, if someone knew how to get into the right piece, it, it might like wear down some of their mechanical pieces. It's, it degrades metals. Um, that's very handy. That sounds amazing. <laughs> very helpful. What an amazing coincidence. All right. Okay, so somebody mentioned the bar. It's been a long time on this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to the bar. There's sure to be people with some who are drunk who are ready to be pardoned from their money. So they went to the bar to suss out some rumors. You know, these hijackings lately have been terrible. With 15 people killed recently, the old days of illegal mining looked good by comparison. Somebody was hitting the miners, right, en route to the port. So there's probably now a stash of this material. 
stolen by somebody else, because that could be unofficially undeclared cargo that we take back to Vega. All right, you guys head over to the uh, Rula Shakbali. Greetings, greetings, my friends. Ah, yes, my name, my name is Alemir Akazed. So what do you know about you know the, the all the shipment disappearing? Yes, I mean, I was a, definitely a dilithium smuggler before, though naturally I do nothing of the sort now. Right. Well, so we have the, the Tellarite ship and the Orion ship in you guys' ship, right, on the planet. And there's been um, all these uh, uh, hijackings of the, 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 the ore from the mines, right? Everyone with us? Yeah. Okay, so in fact... It wasn't long before the crew received news of another shipment being hijacked. Wow. So I'm super bummed about it because now a third shipment went into somebody else's hands, possibly the Orion's and not ours. And that might have been our shipment. That it one certainly was. Been. Yeah. What if we, um, yeah, offer our services or basically create like a, a fake shipment, you know, pre pretend that we are the miners, you know, transporting the next one and see if anyone wants to hit us. If they're being hit with military precision every time and then one of the shipments had guards with it or had hired people to protect it and it still got hit. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Well, mm -hmm. they thought of a lot of different plans. Um, one of the things they wanted to do was to check in with Jurgens at the Trimark office. So Dax and Harper Sue set off to do that. Um, Dax, of course, had established a relationship with him. So he was in a rather irritable mood. So, like, what can we do to help? Because you seem really stressed, and I don't want that for you. Nothing. Just sit tight, and we'll try and arrange uh, another shipment. What, what exactly is happening here? Listen, just don't meddle in the matter. Go back to your ship and just wait for their orders. So... So, Sima, is that how you say your name, Karen? Yeah. Yeah, so Sima, I think it meant... Uh, I totally looked up what it meant. It oh, yeah. was... Um, shoot, I wrote it down and now I can't find it. Um, something about survival, survivalist or something like that, because she's unlucky, but she keeps on going. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, well, anyway, you and Jorn went to investigate a rival mining company right. to scale, descale resources. And at this point, you guys get a sense that Igor Petrenko's primary interests are of economic nature. He's very concerned <laughs> about shipments, lost opportunities, etc. Going out monies. <laughs> He's got a heart of gold, though. That he does. Oh, I will not go there, but um, you can go ahead. I'm definitely interested in the descale resources. They might have some cool plants and plants and animals for me to check out on the way as well. Yes, but they have been unable to provide us with any material to ship. I wondered if we might investigate alternative arrangements. Well, unfortunately, we have exclusive uh, contract with Group Harg. Sounds like Group Arg's the way to go. We gotta check them out. How does how does Petrenko feel about Jorn? Is he I feel like he's trying to hijack the the ship? Uh, 
How does Petrenko feel about Jorn? You guys basically have <laughs> an arch-villain on board your ship. I was trying to, to take things in a dark direction. It, it, it's a great question. You know, I imagine in, in, uh, in quote-unquote reality of, of Petrenko's smuggling ship or freighter ship, there would be all kinds of characters that would come and go. And in, in that sense, there is no surprise that Jorn happens to be on it, hopefully temporarily. Yeah. And will serve some economic purpose at some point, but that hasn't pan out yet. Maybe a little overlap with like the old West, the barber is also the dentist kind of like, okay, we've got the, the butcher is also the pseudo doctor. He's not afraid of blood, you know, and when it comes to patching people up, He's the best he, we've got. <laughs> Better to have like a green hand than no hand, I guess. That sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Fun. Well, anyway, so meanwhile, Cody, Dax, and Petrenko went to the local Starfleet office. They met a promising young officer named Karen Morrow, who seemed competent but reluctant to share her information. At first... Young lady. That's your romantic. Oh. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. I'm sure you're well aware of the how passionate Andorians can be. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Would you like to experience that passion firsthand? The the rash of pirated ships. Uh, I know that Starfleet is taking a uh, point on the investigation. What? What have you found so far? Well, Winter believes the, the hijackings to be the work of the Orions. So the Orions are trying to cause confusion and to profit from the, from the chaos. Lieutenant Winter has filed a recommendation with Starfleet suggesting that off-world shipping be limited. You know, there was a proposal in the, in the Babel conference by Ambassador Kark of Telar that the, the Tellarite company Gruparg, which has always maintained a strong interest in Corridian mining, would be um, the, the sole company, would have a, a, basically a, a virtual monopoly over the Corridon dilithium crystal resources. So I bet you it's probably not the Orions that are screwing around, it's the pigmen, because they want the chaos too, so that they can become the monopolists. Meanwhile, Jorn, Afal, Zosima, and Harper Sue went to sabotage the Tellarite ship. I figured that okay. um, Dave and I can start a brawl, and then you other two can uh, put the, the toad juice where it needs to go. If the uh, frog juice corrodes um, mechanical parts and that sort of thing, you could put it in the uh, matter-antimatter stream so it would uh, corrode the injectors. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Greetings, gentlemen. I use the term loosely. My capellan and I would desire to speak with your commanding officer of sorts. You, Orion, what do you do here? Shut up and get your commander. What? Uh, yes. What are you? Horsehead? Hey, look, you goatish, flea-bitten giblet. Giblet. Yeah. Saucy, milk-livered, 
measle minnow. <laughs> ah, how dare you, triple lovers, you <laughs> impertinent beef witted lootster, <laughs> you beast swag bellied scullion, you goatish fen sucked put liquor, you bootless dog hearted bum bailey. That went on for some time. <laughs> it was very good. Like, some of those were great. It's like a Shakespearean uh, insult generator. Yeah, it's good stuff. I think that we should make Tribble Lover (laughs) t-shirts. That was an original. Tribble Lovers, perfect. I'm casually trying to like sneak past while you know while uh while they're all distracted. So I imagine grabbing one of the guys like in the middle and using him to like knock the other guy out of the way so that two of them are then cleared off of sort of one side of the gangplank, if that makes sense. I sucker punched the one guy and uh, and toss him into the two other guys that are standing by him and and uh, and then just jump on top of them. You know, just just do the, the old, you know, flying leap into them and all right. So you girls, you, through the confusion, you're sneaking on board. Oh yeah, right. All right, all right. One of the one of the Tellarites turns around and, and sees you, Karen, and, and starts chasing you on on board the ship. But wait, I I wait right behind the door, and as soon as she passes, I I um hold out my highly stilettoed boot and trip the other guy. I like that detail of a highly stiletto boot. Mm, perfect. Very aesthetic on our on our, yeah. on our group. But what the lady to be very important. The stiletto footwear, just in general. Oh, footwear. Yeah, I think that's character think development. That's I feel like we're constantly making at least vague pop culture references. People are just imagining cartoons that they watched on Saturday morning as a kid, or you know, just old sixties and seventies movies, or or whatever. I'm just trying to just sneak in little like, here's what it really looks like. It's like our collective consciousness. It's how we bring up an image without like describing it too much. I love it. Totally. It's perfect. So the ladies successfully completed their sabotage and escape sexily. I actually try to up. cut open one of the Tellarites and like take his body parts. Oh. <laughs> okay. I have I have a vibroblade. I put that on my character sheet. The brawl gets pretty dark uh, pretty fast. As a med scientist starts to uh, cut open a guy, I tap him on the shoulder and, and say, "You know, hey, hey look, the the girls got what they needed. Uh, we better get out of here." Well, I'm not finished yet. This Tellarite has far too many stomachs in it, and I need just one of them. I, 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 I think we need to, we need to leave. <laughs> I mean, oh. I like bacon as much as the next guy, but uh... <laughs> Dave coming in with the punchline. I think we actually we took a, div- a diversion at this point and cracked open the Starfleet medical handbook to see, <clears throat> you know, medical details about the Tellarites, and indeed they have multiple stomachs and all that oh stuff. That's a great detail, <laughs> which just tells you that Jorn actually researched it. On his own time. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Aaron's out of control. I love it. Um, 
So the crew returned to the ship and found a video transmission waiting for them. <gasps> it's a Tellarite! I, I have information about the hijackings. I know that you are interested. Uh, I request that you meet me behind the D-scale warehouse tonight at the 2400 hour standard. Your lives are in danger. <laughs> Click. That's obviously a trap, you guys. I think we should well, go out and, uh, you know, but, but case the area first. Karen and I are staying on the ship. Everybody else is going, uh, uh, yeah, to the meet and greets. Yeah. And it, some people um, are staying and... hidden. Yeah. Uh, Andre, Eric, and I are going to be in strategic places on the rooftop. Okay. And, and April and Sarah Nicole are going to be going it openly. Yes. Okay. Well, he does arrive about 10 minutes late. Um, Show, where is he? <laughs> hey, what's up? Oh, oh, uh, there have been too many deaths already. I can't live with the thought of what we've been doing. I, hold on. I just let me come down. You see six of these guys. These are human, human thugs, human toughs, like a gang of them. They got knives and chains and broken bottles and stun clubs, old lasers. There was a big laser fight. The snipers on the roof shooting at the thugs in the alleyway. The thugs were shooting at the PCs in the alleyway. They were trying to duck into stairwells. It was a bloodbath. Also, Philip, uh, you should probably get. Um... Like an award for that gasping <laughs> for your character. <laughs> really brilliant work. Oh, thanks. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the commitment to the character. Really good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad it conveyed what it was supposed to convey. The top group had a, a miss and a hit, and the hit went on Dax. And the bottom group had a miss and a hit, and the hit went on the Tellarite. Damage. No. Dax, four hit, four damage. The Tellarite. <coughs> Boom. The Tellarite is slain. No. no. Harper Sue, you drag him into that, uh, to that area. You, you cup his head tenderly. Before he dies, he gasps out a last few words. One more hijacking. Mining camp. Your ship. No about decoy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Monty oh Python goodness. reference right there at the end. That's <laughs> like seriously, um, you need a like a trophy. Um, the I also think nobody realizes that my character's name is Dax, and then her last name is what she said. So I think that really needs to have been talked about more. But okay, I'll go. Oh, on. nice. So we just thought that was what? a joke. It is, That's great. It's my character's name. She's no joke. Rude. Fantastic. So the battle raged on for about 12 minutes, and there were backflips and knifings, and people were shot in the belly and shot in the back. It was super serious business. Back. So, yeah. There was a fight. and there, Was there? Yeah. Well, they went back to the Vera, and then... There at the Vera, they had received another message, this time from Jurgens. 
message was that another shipment was ready to be transported. So look, I think I think Jurgens is secretly working for the Tellurites, and uh, so that's why he paid us in shares because he knows they're about to be worthless. Some of the crew went to Jurgens' office. They got the assignment from him and returned to the ship. Can you recap that real quick? What, yeah, what? basically, the, they're going to send a fake shipment uh, in the trucks that's going to be filled with cops, and then uh, they're going to allow us to land directly at the mining site um, in, you know, to circumvent normal regulations. Jorn decided to go back to Jürgen to confront him about being a traitor, sharing the information they got from the Tellarite. Aaron, he breaks down. Maybe it's your pheromones. Maybe it's just yeah, pressure of everything and whatever. Okay. Like maybe there's just like a slight sense of relief as he comes clean. He's like, listen, the Tellarites have been blackmailing me. They they know of some past indiscretions in my business life. Yes, come with me and we will disembowel the Tellurites together. After you've loaded up the dilithium, they plan to beam aboard your ship. Harper Sue went to Karen. That's Karen from Starfleet to recruit her help. We found out that there's going to be another raid and it's going to include our ship and that they are going to try to beam aboard our ship. Why don't I come with you so I can like be a witness in case anything, you know, oh, that come up great. With wait, uh, but should I tell my boss or not? Or should I just do it on the DL? Let's just keep this a little quiet. I think that would be for the best. Okay. You guys, you guys fly, um, and successfully land in the, uh, the mining area. The stuff is loaded up. You guys okay. move the, the appropriate crate to the, uh, the area. Jurgens is there. Jurgens is at the site. Okay. He likes, he like slightly indicates the, the correct crate for you guys to, um, to put in the one room. Can we crack it and double check? Yeah. 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 It's definitely the transporter uh, control transponder. Great, we do this, right. and then uh, we're going to take uh, Karen, our star tree, uh, star Starfleet chick, and we're just going to have her kind of like in the hallway between the bunk room and the captain's quarters there. Uh huh. Um, yeah, so that she can observe when they transport in. Yes, you s- you set up a transparent aluminum window so you can so you can see in <coughs> everything that's going on. There's force fields. There's deadly. There's there's knockout gas, all that good stuff. And all pretty right. soon, sure enough, a bunch of humans and one Tellarite um, beam aboard. And what do you all do right. right after this happens? Shields up. Shields up. Uh, knocks them out. Uh, it's, there's five other just Caridian thugs, and the sixth will be a, is a Gavakug crewman. And um, just his very presence there is, is damning. The gig was up. Only one thing remained. A ship-to-ship battle against the Tellarite ship. All right. They have their shields up. They have to absorb some of that damage. Um, and like I said, they had their full power pile base. So that was a good hit. But they're going to hit you back. They hit twice. Brace for impact. They hit with multiple uh, different things. Surely you must run. It's not looking good for you. And suddenly, uh, someone roll a sensor check. I got it. Thank you, Aaron. Well, I would let Karen do it. Come on. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Give Karen a chance. Karen. 
So the cells just like blow off and it's just their hull just kind of floating dead in space. Yeah. Starting to drift down uh, back, you know, back into the planet. All right. Well, with that, we'll call that the climax (laughs) and uh, bust open the whole plot. It was pretty obvious, but now you have proof. You had the guy. He talks. He confesses. It's all good. You guys are visited by the Orions later. They're like, hey, thanks for clearing my name. You guys want to uh, head out to the Rigel system sometime? I'll throw you quite a party after your contract is up, of course. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, Yay. I mean, it was a pretty epic space battle. I wasn't sure how much we could include in the, the recap. If you want to listen to the entire battle, you have to go to our Patreon. Yeah, go. Also, the battle in the alleyway with the guys, the Tellarite and the thugs and the stuff. It was all played out really well. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about this adventure. <laughs> Overall thoughts? Let's start with you, Sarah Nicole. Um, you know, it's it's always so tricky because I hear the recap and I'm like, oh yeah, that was pretty fun. But honest to goodness, I could not remember what happened in this game at all when we were talking about recapping it because we played a couple games since then. And yeah. I was like, what did we even do in that adventure? What was the premise? What did what even happened? I remember the alley fight. I think I remember the ship fight. I remember Karen with the frog stuff being amazing. Literally, that is all I remember about the adventure. So maybe I was concussed. I don't know. The the alley fight was definitely epic. I think that's it's worth like movie. You know, it's like a movie scene. You can totally see it happening the the bloodbath you yeah. know it, it's it's kind of a you know what are some of the movies like the, uh, the usual suspects or you know the lost definitely spy drama spy or crime drama i mean it just shit hits the fan you know in that scene and uh well that that's what petrenko likes that's for damn sure <laughs> and money what did you think, Karen? This was your first adventure with us. Yeah, um, I definitely, um, it took me a little while to kind of get a sense of the different um, different alien races and characters and sort of like who's the, um, how does it tie into the, to the uh, episode that we watched and how much does it tie in? So some of that was just a little bit of like me trying to figure it out versus um, you know, trying to figure out the the Star Trek world versus um, sort of my own little backstory that I created. Um, I remember we just, we spent a lot more time, I think on our little side dramas than necessarily worrying about um, the, the, um, the, dilithium and and the mining operation that we were supposed to be sort of focusing on but that's always fun well i have a point about that (laughs) when you watch war stories the firefly episode what is it about it's about a couple different things but it's really about that relationship between mal and wash and zoe that 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 triangle of their relationships so you have this like arch villain coming in and like he's doing all this stuff, and they're just kind of like ignoring him as they deal with their personal issues. 
I just think that's so amazing. And it's so like, yeah, that's I'm always to me. I'm a plus. trying to kill you, but you're not paying attention to me. To me, when, um, when I think back on this adventure, I have the same experience as Sarah Nicole until I, you know, we, we did the recap. I was like, I, I don't remember. It didn't really stand out. It's just not very um, memorable. And so that's that's definitely a point against it. What was most memorable to me was the stuff that the players did. Like you guys said, the whole, like, oh, let's go sabotage the Tellarite ship. You know, that wasn't in the module. Of course, it worked out perfectly. And again, we couldn't really cover this in, in detail in, in the recap, but just the way that it was slow working, you know, slow working sabotage that it's just the right dramatic moment in the battle their ship just broke apart. I thought that just worked out great. You guys gave me such great stuff to, to play off of. And, um, and I will say the module is written in such a way as to let that be the case. It wasn't, it wasn't linear. Um, the, the author is, like I said, he's, he's written some novels and he obviously had um, that ambition of being a novelist, but it wasn't just like written like this happens and then this happens and then this happens there's a lot of room for you guys to take the initiative and be like, well, we should go check this out. So I liked that. That was a good energy in the group. A lot of room for creativity. Um, and uh, I like, I like the idea of a, a merchant campaign. I like the idea of like, let's save our money to repair our ship. You know, let's improve this and that. And like, let's fire this guy or toss him out the airlock and hire another guy, you know? I love all that stuff. It's just like it's it's freedom in an RPG. It's more free than a Starfleet game. Well, and, and the other part about this particular uh, campaign was you don't often hear a conversation that, that goes like, Well, we have this frog juice if we if we place it into the antimatter drive. You know, two totally different <laughs> concepts, high technology versus this, you know, knowledge of, of some biological agent and stuff can happen. You know, I mean, that that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Dream, what guess, did you, oh, I'm sorry, Phil. Go for it. Dream, did you like playing this better than playing the Starfleet campaign? Like, did you enjoy playing this character more? without rules or in this setting and scenario? Um, I mean, I, I think my affinity is obviously closer towards this character because, you know, I like to play more chaotic type characters and there is more freedom of, of, of action in that sense. Um, I mean, I enjoyed Petrenko when he was in Starfleet in that I was learning about that world, as you guys pointed out, you know, I am a newbie to a Star Trek universe. So I was fine with a role there too. But, um, but this being a blend of both, you know, I definitely like that a lot. I cool. think, I think Philip was right. Like there was a good energy. I liked having you as the captain. I liked having it be so different than what we've done before. And I think, everybody getting to play a totally different character than they'd been in for a little bit was a little bit freeing and refreshing. And then when, you know, you'll see when we come back to our characters, I think it helps to have a little break when you, before you come back. Um, I don't know. My two cents. Phil. Yeah, I agree. 
you know, what, what always amazes me is, is uh, we managed to, to finish these modules in, in, in you know, some, there, there's a start and there's a finish and we always make it to the finish, but the path that we take, <laughs> you know, Phil can, can tell us more about that is definitely not linear it, it probably isn't always the way the module was intended to be to be you know resolved and uh i think this was probably one of those examples that uh you know the frog juice in and the telluride ship exploding maybe wasn't in the cards you know as intended but it happened in our world all the best modules have are not written in terms of like acts and scenes you know they just kind of they have the setup and that's more or less like you know you guys are given a job and so you, you fly off to the planet but after that you land on the planet and you see what's there and then there was even some stuff i don't think i told you was there like someone asked if there was a starfleet presence and that sort of came out from that um it's just sort of like almost written like a there's a map and there's a key to the map I don't I don't really think this was a great module for maps, but it's written in that style, you know, like um, here's this and here's that. And there were a few like events which happen at certain points and, and you can kind of like put them at any time. It's not really written out like a like a timeline. So um, I think the fact that you guys were like, well, obviously these guys are our rivals, so we should, you know, be proactive against them. I think that's great. You're not just like waiting for stuff to happen to you and you're just kind of doing stuff more or less along the lines of what would happen in the module. And it doesn't break the module. The module is totally like all about it. You know what I mean? So this module is 48 pages, but honestly, a good chunk of it is just uh, NPC write-ups. They'll just have a whole page for for NPCs and also PCs. They give you PCs in case you want to play the, uh, you know, predetermined PCs, maps of your ship, maps of, you know, here's the, the mine over here and this and that. But a lot of it is just like, they just try to imagine a lot of different outcomes, a lot of different things that you might try. And um, so they do a good job with letting it be nonlinear. Have we had and a module that gave us PCs that were not the regular TOS crew? Like the regular Enterprise crew? Um, this one certainly did. There might have been one or two others before now. I think from now on, all the all the like the standalone modules are going to have um, pre-rolled characters for you to play. I'd be interested personally in playing some of those pre-rolled characters to test them out. Yeah? Let's see. Yeah. We, we can talk about that later. Okay. Yeah, that's an aspect we haven't really gotten into because... And I'll even say, you know, if you have your own characters, great, play those. And I've from time to time looked at their, their character write-ups and thrown some of their, their personal info at you guys to, like, maybe include in your characters. But by and large, that's not really an aspect that I thought was interesting. But if you think it's interesting, you know, that's an perspective that we should explore. I'm going to explore it. Phil, is there enough... Uh... PC, pre-made PCs that for, for all of us, because you could have a, a whole session of us playing all of these pre-mades. And if you feel like a TPK, that would be a good time to do that. <laughs> if you feel like a TPK. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I think for for like this session, that would have been cool. We might have wanted to do that, but then, um, I think I think in most sessions, it might be a lot lot more prep work than we might be up for. But we'll do it one time, guys. We'll do it as an experiment and see how we like it. All right. So wait, I got to ask one other question for yeah for the people like my dear Dave who like maps. You said the maps weren't so-so in this? We got 48 pages. Tell me that some of them are good maps. The best map was the map of that alleyway where you had the shootout. The infamous That was map. a nice, substantial map. Um, and I saw that, and I was like, okay, we're going to get down and dirty in this combat. I'm going to, you know, like, put people where they are, you know, keep track of where everyone is keep track of all the hit points and the weapons and everything that everyone's using and just like really get into it. And like I said, it, we, we did do like a 12 minute combat, a uh, big old shootout for that. So, so that kind of helped me not to half ass it, you know, I just showed where all the, like the stairwells are like that go down into the basement access and all the roof accesses and side alleyway and all that stuff, you know, nothing super elaborate, but it was playable. There's another map of just kind of an overland map of the planet. And it was just kind of like, eh, I think at one point, Sarah Nicole, your character actually went and scouted ahead at the mining facility. And we kind of looked at the map and it was like, well, so it's, I guess it's, it's here. And, but it wasn't, it was, there's really no detail on there worth speaking of. And then, like I said, what would have been useful in the map, because they talk a lot about, well, there's Alpha Centauri here, there's Vega there, there's Corridon here. They don't really talk about where they are. Maybe they just assumed everyone had the Star Trek maps. But I was just kind of like, I have to I have to make a proper map that we can um, fly on, map our energy usage a little bit, because I like that stuff. I like it too. I think you know, doing that kind of work made the fight more fun, right? Like yeah. we all super enjoyed it. It was super fun. We all remember it. Like your prep work and keeping track of all that stuff and having a sexy map made the gameplay better, you know? There's one more thing that's the, the deck plans for the Vera. So there's a, a vessel in the in the module. They call it something else. It's, you know, it has a, again, a pre-generated name. But they had a pretty good, um, a good-sized ship. And, and that way people could be like, well, here's where we're going to, when we beam the bad guys on, we're going to beam them into this room and we're going to, you know, flood it with gas and, you know, it's going to be made of transparent steel and so everyone can see in who the bad guys are. We're going to put up our shields after we beam them aboard so they can't get beamed back out. All that helps with immersion. I feel like you can at least just see the layout of your ship. Helps you to transport you there. Yeah, of course. I love that. So let's rank the module. As you guys know, we rank our modules on a warp factor scale. One being not so great and 10 being super great. Um, who wants to begin? Andre, it's been a while since you've done this. You have a good sense of, of how you want to score this? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a score. Yeah. I know we've scored some other ones kind of low, but I think this one was actually for me um, was was pretty decent. I would give it a five or a six. Let's give it a six. 
<laughs> is that is that the highest you guys have had? No, not at all. But you know what? I'm with you. I'm right with you there, man. Some people always give things an eight, just like everything is an eight, and you're just like, okay, everything really. I like to use the full range, so I'm right there with you. I think that's good. I don't. I think I don't think six is bad. What do you think, uh, Sarah Nicole? Oh, I give it a five. And I only five. give it a five because of what you just told me about the maps. Because I don't remember this. I only remember the fight. I vaguely remember scouting ahead now that you said it, but only because you said it do I remember doing that in-game. Um, my most memorable moments were things that my friends did that were funny. And that's not the module. That's us being jerks, right? Yeah. So really also i listened to the whole recap and i'm like wait what what happened again i the again the frog juice i got that but that was all karen right we blew up a ship with frog juice super cool that was because karen was smart and did her backstory and otherwise i'm like still like wait what happened in this there's some with like some guys they're trying to get some stuff but we didn't like them. And then Jorn came. I don't know. Like, I still don't know what happened. So five. There you go. Five Fair for the enough. maps and the alley fight. Right. Okay, Karen. What do you think? So I was kind of leaning, um, leaning in the five, six arena myself. I think the premise of the module, I agree. It's a little bit lackluster. Like, what were we doing there again? What, what was the purpose? But I love that it does give you room to play. I feel like there have been some campaigns that we've done before where I really know we're on the wrong path. Like you're pulling us in the right direction because we just, um, there's clearly an expected direction and we're not on it. And so I think the, the opportunity to play and the, the fact that it was fleshed out well enough that we could go one direction or another and there's still room for that, I really enjoyed that. And for a casual player, I, I, I thought it was a, a lot of fun. So what's your final number? You mean I have to pick? Miss Indecisive has to pick a five or a six. Holy you can cow. do in betweeny. You can give yeah. it a 5.5. I'm going to give it a 5.5 5. 5. 5 then because I will solidly settle on Indecisive. <laughs> I love it. That's fine. I gave a 5.5 to our last episode. Man, guys, I think I think I'll give it... Uh, I'll give it. A, I'll give it a four. I think, um, you know. Okay, so I always score things lower than everybody else. Like I say, I'm trying to use the full range. I'm trying to look at, you know, everything in perspective. And and so to me, a four is not terrible. We had a fun evening, you guys. I I really um I I I don't not recommend this. You know, I think uh, this is a fun night's adventure for anyone to play if you're going to be playing like many star trek adventures then this this could be one of them it eases you into the the traders and merchant captains sort of side game of star trek which um which i think looking looking ahead they're going to use this premise a lot the uh, the premise of your being of you being on a freighter for some reason a lot of the the authors of these modules really like that setup of being on a freighter rather than on a capital ship. Um, so I thought that was, this was a solid, good first one. And I liked, uh, 
it gave you guys your head. It let you be imaginative and creative. There was a good energy. It was a fun game. But I agree with Sarah Nicole. It's, it's unmemorable. It's just kind of, it's not a must play by any stretch of the imagination. It's just kind of, when you try and recap it in your own words, yeah, it's just like there were some guys and they had a, you know, a little conspiracy to, to uh, so that the one company would have a monopoly and that they would have gotten that yeah. because there was sabotage. And it's just kind of like, yeah. eh, okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so um, when, when I think about the original series, um, I don't think any episode was as unambitious as that in sort of like, what they were trying to fi find out and, and what sort of they had to deal with. And there were some bad episodes, but it's just never kind of like just that there was. No, we always had politics. like a weird, weird hook. Something weird happened or something kooky or like a hand came out of the sky. I don't know, like something cool or sci-fi or science weird. Fiction. There's nothing right? science fiction in here other than the basic idea of you're in space, you're flying around, pew, pew. Um, there, it's almost like now we have this established universe with the established races. There was no alien, which was not a human Vulcan and Dorian Tellerite or Orion. Those are kind of like at this point, like, you know, other than your guys, what you brought to the table, but in the module, uh, we're kind of in this more, um, this different kind of world now. So I lament that a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's why I give it a four. I look forward to more ambitious things to come. So what happened was there were two modules which came out around the same time, Margin of Profit and Orion Ruse. And I wasn't really sure which one came first. Orion Ruse has a stock code of 2208, and Margin of Profit is 2209. But I decided to go with Margin of Profit first because it was more of a straightforward, like, here we are, merchants and traders. And in Orion Ruse, it shakes it up a bit already. We're, we're mixing back in the Starfleet guys with this new crew. So I'm really looking forward to that one. I'm sorry, I might have jumped the gun on your your question, Sarah Nicole, about it's what okay. we're playing next week. <laughs> it's okay. The other thing that's kind of interesting that I found out, um, Facilator came out with a, a source book called the Star Trek IV source book update, where they put all these modules into a timeline. So, you know, they're like from... So basically from Ghosts of Conscience on all the FASA modules, they weave into a story where they interweave with the, the movies and stuff that were coming out at the time. And they do put Margin of Profit before Orion Ruse in the timeline. So I, I felt like there being a little ambiguity, it was kind of neat to just, well, go with that. Be like, well, that maybe just happens first. And then at the end of Margin of Profit, your Orion friend is like, hey, maybe next you guys come out to Orion space. And uh, there's that hook, that little bit of canon, like that's going to happen next in our next episode. So how cool is that? Perfect. Maybe that's a little bit cool. It is a little bit cool. I love it. Any last thoughts, Karen? Um, about any of it. About not even this module just playing or... I think we didn't really mention that Karen, although um, this is her first Star Trek adventure with us, she is, of course, an established member of of Andorra's Box, <laughs> our the Silmarillion of 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 RPG Pop Club, our our um, our adventures back in college. So 
really great to have you back with us, Karen, and uh, hope to see you uh, from time to time. Yeah, we love you, and I love it when you come. Yes, well, you'll definitely see me from time to time. Um, just like back in college, my job sometimes pulls me away from from gameplay. So um, I will, but I will definitely be here from time to time. I really have definitely grown attached to the characters, and so look forward to seeing what happens to them and whether or not they survive. <laughs> I, I was just gonna say, Phil, that that means you know that's that's a hint that. Uh, you know, she invested a lot into the history of this character. And remember what happened to Sarah Nicole's first character? Oh, yes. Killed within like four minutes. Rude. Um, yeah, well, <clears throat> definitely you guys should try to keep her alive then. I don't know what you want me to do about it. But, uh, I was convinced that she was going to die within like the first five minutes because I think I, I I think I made a mistake in the actual rolling instructions when I rolled her character because she had she has the worst stats. I mean, her luck is just abysmal. So I especially no. when you said like luck rolls for the um, for the ship. I'm like, oh, we're dying and it's going to be my fault. This is the way this game is going to go. So I was really pleased that her um, her moniker of survivor turned out and she survived an episode and hint hint maybe even more to come so it's unfortunate unfortunately idiomatic of rpg campaigns that those characters with terrible stats live forever they (laughs) never go away they always stay alive um luckily in this rpg when you advance you get a good chance of um upping your stats and um kind of just building the character as you as you'd like to improve them so That'll be nice. Andre, did you have final thoughts? Um, I, I do. Uh, this may seem kind of an odd place since we've already kind of moved on a bit from Phil's poor assessment of this module. But what? I was just slightly it, different from you. <laughs> in its defense, I, I just want to point out that, that part of it could be, I mean, the feeling that you guys had that, uh, you know, it's it's not memorable, maybe, you know, there wasn't much happening, is because you guys have been playing Starfleet modules for, for, you know, a few sessions in a row, and maybe you felt kind of out of place, you know, with, with this type of mission. Um, I don't know. I mean, but, you know, I, I think if we were running a freighter slash, you know, pirates, whatever you want to call it, campaign, we would probably remember it more. So I don't want to discourage people who want to, you know, who, who maybe are into this type of of gameplay, you know, universe within the universe of Star Trek to not give it a shot, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think there's room for fun and we definitely found the fun. I think though, if we're just looking at it as a module, I think we might, again, hint, hint, dear listeners, find modules that are more higher scoring, right, in our future, right? Um, I definitely agree with Phil that this is still worth a play. It might just not be the first one I grab or, you know. I I checked out what the average score is. If you average all our scores, it comes to 5.1. So it breaks that 5.0 threshold, if we can put a threshold there. Maybe we should let engineer Eric also give a score for this one. Ooh, he's on the spot. Look at his face. Oh goodness. 
to give a score for this one, I got to go with the four. I'm going to oh! join four. Um, Snap! He's right, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> it just was, uh, it just felt it was fine. It was fine. It wasn't like bad. It wasn't poor. It just does nothing about it really stood out as being spectacular. It's not a, it's, it's an average module and it's just fine. So that's it. Now we had an above average captain who I would give a warp 10 to. And I would give, I yeah, I Very would give, yeah. Confident. The, I want to play in this universe more. I'm going to play on this ship more and I want to play with this crew more because the characters are really fun. That's all us. That's not who wrote the module. Yeah, I I agree with, with your last comments there, not the first comments about <laughs> the captain. Um, I definitely agree that this module, I mean, it left a lot open for, for the players to kind of develop the story. And um, and we did it. You know, we did it in our, in our own way. And we had stiletto shoes and, and frog juice and all kinds of stuff in it that maybe a different group of people would have a totally different, you know, set, set of circumstances. But it definitely, I think, requires um, role-playing. And it requires cohesive, you know, interactions between characters. And I, you know, I think we nailed it uh, in a good way. So, yeah, it would be cool to, to go back to that type of setting just to give you guys a break from, from regulations of Starfleet here and there <laughs> and have some fun. Just to give you a look ahead, there are a ton. There are a ton where, um, uh, well, yeah, so even just the next module, like I said, it has the Starfleet characters aboard the uh, your freighter, so we kind of mix it up, and some of the players play from one crew, and some of the players play from the other crew, and um, and that'll be that'll be the setup. There's four adventures in a row which have that setup, so I hope you guys can block out a whole month to to join in the adventure at some point. Yeah, okay, sweet. So that that's coming up. Um, and I, I think what it, would, it adds depth to the universe a little bit, you know, even in the original series, Harry Mudd wasn't a PC, but, but that's the sort of character you would want to have as, as a recurring character. And I feel like we have like Joran established as, as kind of, you know, almost a, a villainous character that you can use as a recurring villain that if you want to have it played by a PC or, you know, just have different um, characters playing at different, um, different angles and uh, appearing in, in modules in unexpected ways, surprising ways. If there's a module where it's like, uh, well, I don't know. I guess we just have to listen to our, our future podcasts for some of the ways we remix the crews from the various ships in different situations. Mm-hmm. Adds a nice versatility. Well, guys, I want to say that's it. That's our review of Margin of Profit. And we hope you like what you heard. And if you did, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. We also want to hear from you. So visit our website at www.rpgpopclub.com or email us at rpgpopclub at gmail.com. Let us know what you think or if there's a module we'd love for us to review. 
I also want to mention, we mentioned it earlier in the podcast that we do have a Patreon. So yes. please check out our tiers there. What are we watching and what is the name of the module we're doing for next Ooh, week, Phil? The module I named, it's Orion Ruse. And the episode I want to watch for this is The Cage. The Cage Ooh. establishes like a, there's an alternate timeline kind of in it of Pike imagining himself as a free trader captain. He actually imagines himself selling, uh, buying and selling green Orion women. And, and a lot of the uh, episode takes place in Orion space, you know, all the Rigel planets that they talk about and the fact that they start wounded at the beginning of the episode, they're talking about how they were attacked uh, in the Rigel planets. And like I said, his fantasy of, of going back and being a, a slaver. So that helps establish a lot of the context for that one. Very good. And a great episode and a great science fiction piece in general. Hmm. Only sadly lacking William Shatner. <sighs> yeah, but we get uh, we get some other good things. Number yes. one. Um, I love her. Have, has anybody reviewed these, Phil? Has anybody else looked at these? Anybody say anything about any of these? Or is it just uh, us? It's basically us. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> you go us or you go home. There were, uh, yeah. I, I think it's a pretty highly regarded module. Just from, from contemporary reviews in magazines. There was a, 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 a review in Space Gamer number 72. Um, it says, if you like split team adventures, if you want to get out of the starship combat slash, slash space adventure rut... If you really like to confuse and bamboozle your players, or if you'd like to get a playing group of Starfleet personnel together with a playing group of merchants, then buy Orion Ruse. More right. or less nails it, I think, but except he says, if you want to get out of the space of the starship combat slash space adventure rut, hell nah. Where's that <laughs> rut? I want to get in there. <laughs> hell. And there's a review in White Dwarf number 65. That's a British magazine. Um, giving it an overall rating of 9 out of 10 and stated that all in all it is pretty comprehensive but nevertheless you will need to ad lib at various times well that doesn't sound like a minus to me that, that sounds, sounds great sounds great I'm looking forward to that one Hi reviews hey Karen and G thank you for being here thank you for having us this has been fun really okay. fun we love yeah. you Thank you. Yeah, later. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Yeah.